You're listening to a Fit Plus Love production. Surround yourself with people that are better than you and, and learn from them. And just like, you know, just cut, you know, keep leveling up by you're the company you keep. Good people, you know, grow great businesses. And just like, that's why I moved to Boulder was to be surrounded by the best cyclists in the world and train here. And um, I think that has translated to businesses. That was Nick Martin. This is Marnie Salop. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative, movers and shakers to join me on the show and share their story. You will discover and hear from thought leaders, experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs from the worlds of wellness, sports, beauty, fitness, fashion, and more. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training, and showcase their expertise and story. Welcome and welcome back to the Marnie on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. Today on the show, I sync up with Nick Martin, founder of The Pros Closet, the e-commerce and shopping destination for all things cycling. World-renowned for the largest selection of certified pre-owned bikes, gear, and accessories, The Pros Closet also offers totally new accessories, gear, and apparel as well. Whatever your jam, road, Mountain, gravel, e-bike, they have it all. But that's not exactly where it all began. In 2006, Nick Martin was living out of his van. He was a pro mountain biker earning $17 a week. He started a shop on eBay that he used to sell old gear, kits, and really anything, even surfboards, for friends, teammates, and other cyclists. Today, it's a multi-million dollar business. The company continues to grow as they just raised $40 million in Series B funding and Nick recently brought on a new CEO, John Levesey, to take the reins. But I'll let him tell you the story. During our convo, Nick also shares where his passion for mountain biking began and now how his riding has evolved and shifted. We chat about some of the lessons and ideas he has gleaned while out on the bike that he has brought back to the business some key turning points in growing the pros closet and how he continues to follow his passion and do what he loves. Before we get started, shout out to my sponsors, Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker is the ultra personalized nutrition platform that analyzes your blood, DNA, and lifestyle to help you optimize your body from the inside out. They are my go-to for understanding my inner health, looking at my blood levels, and getting great nutritional insight. Inside Tracker transforms your body's data into meaningful insights and a customized action plan of the science-backed recommendations you need to reach your goals. Take control of your health and wellness. Unlock the power of your potential. And use our code CHEERSMARNIE for 25% off. And before we dive into my conversation with Nick, don't forget to leave us a review. It's easy. Head over to your app wherever you listen on Apple. Click on the Money on the Move podcast. Scroll through the episodes to the bottom. Click on the five stars and then click on leave a review. Tell us what you love, what you're listening to, and share it with your friends on social wherever you like to get social. Now, on to my conversation with Nick. So you have such a cool story. I'm so glad to meet you. I'm 
dialed into the pros closet through my cycling friends, like some guys that I used to ride with and like years ago when you first started. Where did this idea for the pros closet begin? Yeah, it, it honestly, it, it, there never was this like moment that the idea originated. There was no business plan. The business evolved out of my necessity to prolong the real world as long as possible and and race my like chase this dream of what racing my bike professionally whatever that looked like was and you know prolong getting a job um a job per se and what what i did was sold literally everything that was around me that i could to that had value on ebay started on ebay and then once i sold everything i had the capacity to sell other people's things and before i knew it i was living in a van at the time in grand junction colorado on 20th and broadway across the street from my buddy ross's house my training partner and i was didn't have a computer didn't have a camera i would go to the grand junction library and take photos in the front yard of the grand junction library until i got kicked out of the library for shipping and using a tape gun in the library which is not <laughs> is a pretty loud, you know, noise, <laughs> yes. quiet library. So it was like, it was really just like, what can I do to not get a job? And I lived off of $17 a week. I remember it because I was like my budget. Thankfully I was sponsored by power bar. So I ate a lot of power bars yeah. and would buy bulk peanut butter and oatmeal and just ride my bike every day, all day. And I didn't need anything back then. I was just making my life as simple as it could be yeah. and finding value in the things around me. And you were, so you were a professional cyclist at the time you were on a team. I, yeah, I was, I was a mountain bike racer. Um, I, I ran the regional Trek Volkswagen team here in Colorado. And I think I raced professionally at the pro, pro level for like six or seven years for Trek Volkswagen. And that, at the time it was called the Norba circuit. Okay. Um, so it was all domestic. I, I only did one international world cup but i was um yeah so there wasn't a lot of money in pro cycling at the time but you had sponsors yeah yeah i did i had sponsors i think my breakthrough moment was getting a salary of six thousand dollars a year um and that for me was it it was um significant because it showed that i was actually getting paid to ride my bike instead of getting proof of concept luckily i total proof of concept yeah I had, I had a Volkswagen, like Volkswagen gave me a, a car. Um, so I had my gas and travel paid for. Um, Trek obviously took care of our bikes and we had great sponsors, but they changed every year. So as our sponsors changed, we were left left all this excess product. And being as mobile as I was, I didn't have a garage to store it in, so I would sell it. And that's how the pros closets started. It was literally the pros closets. And every team really on the Norba circuit, I was selling there goods at the end of the year as their sponsors changed it at, at one point. Did you buy it? Did you buy their goods from them and then sell it? Or did you just give them like a kickback or percent of what you got? Yeah, at the time there was no overhead. So it was all consignment based. So I took a flat commission and the business just started to just snowball from there. I think we actually did like a million dollars in sales in like our second year. So it, it didn't take long for that ball to keep rolling pretty quick. What did you do to get that kind of, to generate that kind of sales and momentum? Like, was there, there was word on the street that you were out there? Like, how did people hear about you in that first or second year? So I think that was a a big, like, kind of serendipitous moment for us was that we were on eBay. And we realized there is that was a worldwide marketplace. Um, We were tapped into PayPal. So 
we could ship internationally and it was safe and secure. I think at the time, like 40% of our shipments were international. Um, so we were a global business right out of the gate and being on, I didn't have to figure out the, like the e-commerce expertise, SEO. I didn't have to figure any of that stuff out. All I had to do is understand eBay's marketplace um, and focus on that. But what we realized at a certain point was that we were serving eBay's customer. We never owned the customer experience. Um, so we needed to get off of eBay and shed that um, so we could connect directly to our customers because the bikes that we were selling, they're very complicated, they're very complex, right. and our customers have a lot of questions. So we, um, we eventually moved off of eBay. We grew to be the largest cycling store on eBay. Um, and then we just flipped the switch and started our own e-commerce site, raised our first round of capital, and and haven't looked back since. So when was that? When did you start the Pros Closet? It was it 2006 or was it before that? 2006, yeah. And then you- So we've, we've yeah. been around for a while. And then the transition off of eBay was when? Man, I think it was, it's only been three years. Like it hasn't, it feels like a long time, but it has not been that long. Oh, wow, that's interesting. When you first started, what were your first products that you were selling and then how yeah. did you become this resource and also like a reliable source early days before you yeah. had all these programs that you have now? Yeah, early days, like early days, it was literally anything out of the out of someone's garage. Like okay. I would go to people's houses and help them just clear out their space. And at times it would be like, oh, there's a surfboard there. Can we sell a surfboard? Sure, we can figure that out. Like it was anything. And then we realized, you know, our expertise was in cycling and there's a huge opportunity to like legitimize the secondhand space um, because parts are complicated compatibility is confusing like when you're shopping yeah. for your set of wheels it's like what's your spacing what's your drivetrain like all of these different factors that like it, it's confusing so we were like hey we can we can simplify this experience and then be that trusted resource for the entire industry we're brand agnostic we don't just sell one we don't just sell envy wheels we sell all wheels and we can we can tell the brand story through a unique lens because we're not there to like, we're only selling specialized. When you walk through our door, we sell right. like 50 different brands at any given time. So um, we saw this opportunity to own that space. Um, so we, we ditched the surfboards or skis or all the, like we would sell overstock for this local ski company at one time. And we just realized how, like, I didn't know skis. I'm not a skier. So it was like, it wasn't our expertise and our passion. So we've we narrowed it down to cycling. That's so cool. And and how did you get into cycling? Like when did that start for you? And when did you go pro? Yeah, again, I never set out to do that intentionally. I was I was a chubby kid from Wisconsin that <laughs> was into golf actually. And the golf <laughs> course was and similar. 10 miles. <laughs> in strategy, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, and it is, it's a, it's a very mental game and very like, you, you have to, really harness that power and and that's what I love about golf and I would I would take my bike to the golf course so I'd ride 10 miles it's like sounds like a grandpa story like I'd ride my bike no, 10 I miles love it. each I, way yeah if you're over 25 you can tell grandpa stories <laughs> <laughs> totally I so I would ride my bike to the golf course and then I would golf all day and then I'd ride my bike home and then eventually the bike was my favorite part of my day and I, I, I transitioned to that in college and then just like I'm a pretty compulsive person. When I get into something, I go all in. Yeah. And I went, I went all in. <laughs> so, so you started out mountain biking and you were racing mountain bikes. Yes. Yeah. I've never, I've always would ride on the road 
to like train with you know, other people in the off season, but my true passion is um, in the woods and on the trails. What do you love about that? Oh man, I think that's where all my ideas happen. Like, you know, I, for me to think clearly, I have to be on the bike, like then it just sheds all that other peripheral, you know, noise and you get on the bike and everything gets calm, quiet. You can think clearly, your best ideas come there. That's what I love about cycling. Where are some of the most like epic, cool places you've been on your bike? Yeah, man, I've been lucky enough to go to a lot of different places and that's what's great about the bike. I think a couple that stand out for me are like Santa Cruz mm -hmm. is an amazing area. I love the Redwood Forest. Santa Barbara, I just went there for a friend's birthday touring that whole area, having you know the mountains and the ocean yeah. close by is pretty spectacular. But like even right out my front door here in Boulder is amazing. That's why I live here. It's so beautiful here. I know like an hour ride from my front door is my favorite ride that I've ever done. So it's <laughs> like, it, I just keep doing that over and over again. You do, you never get bored, right? Never get bored. I feel never like I've bored. been like riding on 9W for, that's in New York City, that's where I live. So I go up the West Side Highway over the GW and then I ride up 9W it's a big shoulder. It's kind of safer than say some other roads. So that's where all the cyclists go in New York. And then you ride up to Nyack or can ride up to the orchards or, you know, if you want to do a longer ride, you can go up to Bear Mountain. So, but it's all road cycling. It never gets boring. There's always something that's like going on. I agree. I get all my ideas on the bike. It's like, I'm so focused and I'm so like zoned in that I can zone out. Yeah it's something that you get when you're on your bike and I don't get it running. I don't get it swimming. It's really like exclusively to the bike. Yeah. Do you ever find yourself just stopping and taking notes? Like when you ride, I do. I, I talk into my phone. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. I, I like pl plan thing. out like major strategies on the bike. <laughs> and yeah, if I don't, totally. if I don't write it down though, I definitely will forget. I also love to take pictures, which I think yeah. when I'm not training for races, I just, I love to explore and adventure and see new things. So I always try when I'm out on my bike. Like this summer, I did a lot of that. And during the pandemic, I did a lot of that. So yeah. that was pretty cool. But I actually was thinking about, I saw a race or a ride in Santa Barbara that is next year. And I just cool. started doing centuries. So I've usually been just like, a triathlete training for half Ironman distance races. And recently over the pandemic, since there were no races, I've always wanted to do century. Not yeah. that I haven't done a hundred miles before as an official race or ride, more like a ride. So I started, I did one and I really love it. And I think it's such a different vibe than a triathlon. I definitely want to do more yeah. of them. So I saw one in Santa Barbara. It looks beautiful. You should definitely do it. That's awesome. Yeah, you're, you're going to have a great time. The whole like getting out into the woods and being in the mountains, that's so, it's such an amazing opportunity to be able to do that. You are living this minimalist lifestyle. And then, you know, mm -hmm. as you've grown the pros closet, you kind of took a step back so that you could really let the company grow. So talk to me about that decision. And did a lot of your ideas come to you for the pros closet? And yeah, I think, I think. Like I said, the ideas come from the bike or in the woods, like the transition out of the role of CEO is a, a, was a, a privileged transition, but a hard transition. I, yeah. I often tell my team, 
that I'm really, I'm be, I've become comfortable being uncomfortable, which is kind of a weird state to be in, but you start to embrace this like, okay, I, I've never been here before. This is a new stage. How do we approach this? And it's like just constantly entering these new phases of growth within a, a growing startup business that like, I've, I've never went to, sc- I went to business school, but they never taught me how to raise, you know, raise money to, to grow a business. I've never had to like look at cap tables and figure all that stuff out or figure out valuations. And you just figure it out and learn. And I think that's what I loved about that startup process is the continual education and, and the learnings and the constant state of like, I've never been here before. And I really like, I really thrive in that. And then the woods is this place where like I, I bought 50 acres and it's my like called my human battery charger. So I go out and I work, I study forest um, rehabilitation and sustainable forest forestry work. Uh, my favorite thing to do is go out. I'm a tree hugger that cuts down trees to, to create a healthy ecosystem and, and diversity in that. the forest. And I've got the privilege of owning this land and, and watching it evolve. I've only been doing it for six years, but I've already seen like significant changes in it. So I look forward to like tuning into that and studying that for a lifetime. That's awesome. And I think that's where my best ideas and thoughts come from and getting to the point we're at right now, the business is growing incredibly fast uh, and way too fast for me. And we have 160 employees now. I was like, unbelievable. I used to know everybody's dog's name, their significant other. And now it's at a point where I'm always meeting someone new and I'm going into the office and handed the reins over to John Levesay. He's our Mm. new CEO. He's much better at that role than than I am. And I get to watch him and and learn from him. And I'm very thankful that he's driving the ship because the wheels would be pretty wobbly if I was still trying to steer it going this fast. Such a smart decision, such a big decision and very cool that you did that. And it's good that you're still passionate about the business and that you're doing what you love. What were some of the defining moments for the pros closet where you, you know, I know we talked about one defining moment, which was then when you went off of eBay yeah, that was only four years ago. So that was, I mean, we were 15 years young. That was like, a, we were like 11 years we were, we grew on eBay. So it was like, that was a big moment moving off of eBay. It's interesting as you grow a business, there are these like moments in time that you can look at and be like, oh, wow, that could have went a totally different direction there. And I've got a lot of them. <laughs> and I don't know if all of them are things to talk about. that might be interesting to some people, but like we had a couple inventory buys I can think of one inventory buy in particular. There was an overstock list that we got from Colnago, and there was this skew on a spreadsheet that said custom painted track frame. And at the time, you know, we were living like week to week. We had maybe five to seven employees, very scrappy warehouse, maybe 600 square feet. Didn't have a lot of money. And we bought this, the skew. We didn't know what it was, showed up, opened the box. We bought a lot of overstock from Colnago at that time. And it was this polka dot painted track frame. And I was like, what is this? And put it up for auction. It was um, a cust- it was a piece of art essentially from Futura 2000, which is um, a New York graffiti artist. And he did this collaboration with Campanola of 30-ish frames and part of, or not Campanola, um, Colnago, part of Colnago's parameters are they have to put five into warranty, one for each size. So if they are having issues, they have something to send the customer. But since these were essentially pieces of art, there was no warranty claims. So we bought the warranty frames. They sold for like $14,000 each. We bought them for like 600 bucks. 
I kept the last one. It's still in my office on the wall is like break in case of emergency. This is like a $14,000, like get out of jail free if there ever was a time and we never had to use it. But that allowed us to buy computers and hire more employees. And it was like one of those moments that like the business needed capital. And there it was, it, it was, you know, a good infusion of capital at that time. That's amazing. Um, that was definitely one moment. You know, we were talking earlier about getting your best ideas when you're out on the bike. Is there anything you've learned from cycling that you took to your business that was like a really big lesson for you that you maybe learned on the bike? Yeah, surround yourself with people that are better than you and, and learn from them. <laughs> and just like, you know, just cut, keep, you know, keep leveling up by, you know, you, um, you're the company you keep. So, you know, good people, you know, grow great businesses. And um, just like, that's why I moved to Boulder was to be surrounded by the best cyclists in the world and train here. And um, I think that has, you know, translated to business as well. The cycling market of consumers, yeah. you know, I know I was saying earlier that I was out on my bike a lot during the pandemic, but I noticed a lot of new cyclists and yeah. a lot of people were looking to buy a bike and a lot of my listeners had emailed or DM'd me and said like, do you know where I can get a bike? They're sold out. This was early, early on. I just kind of quickly made this observation that it was really parallel to the running boom. There was a moment in New York and in the world where everybody was running again. And I feel like that moment has transferred over to cycling and, and it's become so much more accessible thanks to companies like the Pros Closet offering certified pre-owned bikes or you know, even the new stuff that you're selling and offering, there's just been this proliferation of people interested in the sport. How have you seen that at the pros yeah. closet and how are you navigating in this world? Yeah, it's been, it's weird to have this tailwind, like see a business succeed through a really tough time. Oh, I love that you said tailwind. You speak in terms of cycling, but also in terms of business. I love that. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the tail end of the pandemic has definitely accelerated our, our growth because the whole supply chain, not only in cycling, but across, you know, yeah. all industries has, has been locked up. You know, everyone's dependent on these um, factories overseas to, to produce next year's greatest and latest. And we have this unique opportunity to tap into everything that already exists. Like every garage has bikes and inventory there. And some people have six or seven bikes and they may not be using those bikes. So we see value in, in everything that's around us. And by, you know, tapping into the secondhand market, we're not restricted by a factory or um, a supply chain. We have over, I mean, at times we have up to 2000 bikes on our website right now. And that inventory is, is turning over quickly and it changes every day. We're lucky to have inventory right now. You've had inventory throughout the pandemic, though, too. Like, I heard a lot of people were shopping. We did. And there was this initial, like, oh, crap, what's going to happen? You know, everybody pause. Let's figure out what's going to, what, what, what to do, like how to reimagine the business going into the pandemic. And then we were like, oh, wow, this is working. We don't have to slow down. Let's put the gas on it. And that's where we raised our, our series beef sooner than we, we thought we were going to raise. You know, we raised almost, four, I think, $40 million to like just to go for it. We see this opportunity and it's our time to to own that space. We have first movers advantage and people are comfortable buying online. I think right. everyone's shopping this holiday season online, it feels like, especially since it's, it's a safe way to shop. Yeah. And then you layer on like certified pre-owned, like we're we're inspecting everything. We're guaranteeing everything. We're providing a level of customer service that doesn't exist in the secondhand space. If you get a bike 
and you don't love it, you can return it to us within 30 days, no questions asked. Um, if you were to go into your local bike shop and test out a bike and it didn't work for you, you can't just return it because it's a used bike now instead of a new bike. Um, so for us, we're like, oh, you bought a used bike, we're getting back a used bike. Um, we'll re re recertify it and it'll be the right bike for somebody else. That is so cool. You guys are changing the game. So many people have old bikes that, including myself, actually, I have like an yeah. old bike that I was thinking I might sell, but it's not, it's, it's almost more worth more value yeah. to keep it than to sell it. It, it is in my mind. Totally. So how does it work? How does your trade up program work at the pros closet? Yeah. Well, if, if you're looking to sell you, it's really easy seller portal. You can submit two photos of your bike and you'll get um, a custom valuation for that within 24 hours. So what that means is like some people upgrade their bikes and, you know, very few times to two, two of the same make and model come through that are exactly the same. Right. You get a valuation for your specific bike and then you can make the decision. Is this worth me selling it or not? And if it is, um, we'll send you a prepaid label and you can ship it to us and you get paid out as soon as we, as soon as it passes inspection. And then from the buying side, you know, that these bikes come, they're, we're curating our inventory. We don't buy every bike that gets submitted to right. us. We're making sure that it's a quality bike. There's a lot of focus on, the certified pre-owned process, whether we're inspecting the wheels, the suspension, every bolt on the bike gets torqued. Um, and we have, you know, a, a team of professional mechanics that are specialized in bleeding brakes, specialized in, you know, truing wheels. And they, they are experts in what they do. And we see, like I said, every make and model every day come through. So it's not like we're just tuning, you know, one specific bike. We, we know bikes inside and out. And I think that's what really, and we know it at scale. So it really like is pretty incredible of what our team of mechanics can do um, to ensure that you get the right bike um, in the shape that you expected it. And if you don't, like we have a dedicated team of, we call them ride guides and they're there for you. You have your person that you can call and they'll take care. That's amazing. So you have ride guides that are there available customer service for people who want to talk to them and ask questions. Totally. It's a complicated, you know, bu buying a bike is complicated. And is. I think that's, we're, we're, we're committed and focused on the customer experience and customer service. So that the, the ride guides are a cornerstone of our business, just as certified pre-owned is a cornerstone. Um, it's really important to us that, that you were, were your riding partner, not, not just to buy this bike today, but you know, for life. So if, when you go to sell that bike and you're ready to buy your next bike, um, like if you're training for your century, you might not ride your time trial bike for that century. So, you know, it's like, yeah. it's time for another bike and like, okay, now what do I get? And um, we'll help you through that process. And then if we don't have the bike today, you can save a search and you'll be notified when that bike comes through. Cause changes every day. That's so cool. I love it. And then what's the trade up program that you have with competitive cyclists? Is that this is that what you're talking about? Or is it something different? Yeah, we have trade up programs with competitive cyclists, okay. as well as um, most retailers across the US, you can go in and, and, and get a valuation for your bike and just trade it in you can drop it off, you know, at your local retailer, and they'll ship it to us um, that you can go on our website and see where all the local retail um, trade in partners are. Um, and with competitive cyclists, you can, you can buy a bike from competitive cyclists. They'll ship you your new bike in a box. You can put your old bike back in that box and ship it to us. And then you get a credit towards um, your purchase of your new bike. So that, you know, bikes today are super expensive. Like some yeah. of these bikes on competitive cyclists are five, six, $7,000. It's like the cost of a car. Yeah. Um, so you can, you know, you can, you can, you know, if you break, spend you more know. money, they go faster. 
totally, yeah, that's there's it is motivating to have a, a new bike. No, Nothing's more it is, motivating. It is nice than... to have a new bike. It doesn't matter how much it costs. Like it's really about yeah. like just getting excited about doing a sport and doing what you love. Yeah. It sounds like this whole process of like taking in bikes and reselling them, buying used bikes. It's very sustainable. It's it's like really good for yeah. the environment because you're you're using things that already exist and you're repurposing yeah. them and you know rebuilding them or however reusing them. But it's almost like good for the environment in a way. Yeah. No, I mean this is something we could we could honestly talk. Marty, we could talk about this for the entire podcast because this is where like my passion is deeply rooted. Is I like love it. Yeah. That that extra bike that is sitting in your in your in your house is like it's not providing a ton of value to you per se. I look at it as like, have you ridden it in the last six months? If the answer is no, it's like somebody else, it would be a new bike to them and they would go out and ride that bike right. as if it was the, their new bike because it was new to them. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's kind of the foundation story of the pros closet. It was like, if I'm not using it, somebody else will find value in this and you can free up that space because every square foot, especially in New York City, yeah. is extremely expensive. So I look at a square foot in my house as having, a dollar amount on it. It's like this, this is taking up space mentally, yeah. physically. Um, if I can pass it on and somebody else can keep using that, we're not pumping a new product into the supply chain and creating more waste in that, you know, that process. Um, now does the, is the world, um, you know, a, a better place because, you know, they're not making another bicycle. I mean, you could debate that. Yeah. That's, I mean, I'm not about, about that. that. Yeah. But yeah. I think it's, it's just, an intention. It's a good intention, yeah, right? Like exactly, totally. And that's the that's the mindset. It's like you you. I think like the minimalist mindset for me isn't about like buying and consuming all the time. Right. It's about looking around and saying, "What can I get rid of?" And I, I do. I get rid of one thing a day, and you do oh, just little, small, consistent efforts over time. I'm a little bit yeah. like trying to get rid of things. I always give them away. I always give, yeah, that's always great. trying to give stuff away. Like I love passing it on in a way. Yeah. Like I, I really vibe with that philosophy. Just instead of selling something necessarily, there's more value in like me knowing that somebody else is getting like some joy from something. I uh, know. I totally, totally agree that there's something um, really special about that. We just, we have a, um, a four-year-old son, James, and I've recently learned the power in moms groups on uh -huh. Facebook. Yes. Oh um, my gosh. My <laughs> oh my gosh. It is a powerful network right there. The world could be solved from the, the, the moms groups. Yeah. No, like, there's, there's like, they're like professional mom conventions, like mom blog conventions. Wow. And like that network is gold. Totally. Totally. And like we post something on the moms group for free and it's amazing. Like the next, you know, next morning, somebody's here picking it up and yep. it's like, you just see the cycle going and it's like, and it's great. It's like the sharing community. And I think, you know, that's way better than buying and getting another box from Amazon and, you know, and having something sit in our closets or a garage in our extra room. I know. I mean, I'm looking at my apartment right now. I'm like <laughs> I'm having, oh, yeah. I'm not getting rid of anything today, but, uh, <laughs> You know, even though now, you know, you're kind of back to the pros closet, like handing over the reins, you, it seems like you have another passion, which is content, which may yeah. have been your first passion, right? So you yeah. bought a really cool online magazine called The yeah. Radivist. Is that part of your big strategy with the 
Series B funding that you raised to develop content? I mean, it sounds like you're already doing that, but. Yeah, I mean, the Radivist, um, yeah, John and Carrie have done an incredible job building an amazing community online. Yeah. And I think that's what's so cool about cycling is it's this community, you know, you have, it's everyone's very, it, it's, it connects people from all, all walks of life. And that's where the content strategy comes to play. It's like, you might not be, you might only buy a bike from us once every two years, but we want to be part of your, your daily conversation and be, you know, feeding up, you know, valuable stories and inspiration. I think that's what's so amazing about the bicycle itself is it's, it's moving art and um, it inspires me to go ride and the other people going to great places and doing amazing things the on the bicycle. About, right. They have it's like the lonely planet for bikes. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about it. Like what kind of stories do they have? What I love about the Radivus is is how they um, they put the content in front of you and and the beautiful pictures are inspiring and yeah. um, the the words are amazing and it's a curated group of storytellers that are out there like living life on their bicycles and and um, going to amazing places that I want to go to and I want to learn about and um, it helps me you know get motivated to throw my leg over my bike and get out and ride. Um, and then they also get techie. Like I love, yeah. I love to dive deep and be a bike nerd. And um, I, I love that's where we have a vintage collection of historic bikes um, at the pros closet. And I think the Radivus does a great job of highlighting these like weird hand-built bikes. Like, what's the weirdest bike? Oh man, we have a, we have a Trimble, which is this carbon monocock frame that has, um, it was meant for downhill snow bike racing. And it has these like crazy spikes coming out of the wheels um, paired with this tension disc, which back then they they thought it would be more aerodynamic to make this rear disc wheel that made a ton of noise and was super inefficient and broke all the time. But it's just um, a hodgepodge of weird um, things for a very specific purpose, which is going downhill on a ski resort, um, no. which I would never do. Yeah. 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 But um, it's a snow bike from the 80s. I think that's pretty crazy. We have, um, man, there's so many ways the bicycle has been reinvented over the years. And so yeah. like, but it, it still remains the same. You know, it's kind of weird to see, like, you can change it in all, you know, change the tire sizes, you can change the handlebar widths, you can change the suspension, you can do all this stuff. But ultimately, it's still a simple machine that is human powered, which is really cool. That is very cool. And you also have a blog on the Pros Closet, which is amazing because you have all these buyer's guides that I was actually reading through because I was building a bike. I was helping someone build a bike and just, you know, sort of like guides on what you need to know about, you know, road biking, mountain biking, all different kinds of buyer's guides. Do you, yeah. is that something that you are doing more of? Like, how is that doing as far as content on your site? Yeah, it's, it's like I said earlier, it's a complicated universe out there. So we want to, you know, provide as much information, to educate our, our customers so that they can find the right bike for them um, and be inspired to try new things as well. It's what I love about the bike is the techie side of things where it's like, as you up, the bikes have become such incredible machines, like with the tire technology, the brake technology, suspension, everything like across the whole bike, it's changed in the last four years to a point that has, I can honestly say it, it makes people better cyclists. Like, yeah. uh, and then you move into the e-bike territory, which is also incredibly inspiring. And um, 
you know, the opportunity to go for a bike ride with, with my dad who might not be able to keep up on a traditional basis, but he's right there alongside of you on an e-bike is pretty special. So I think, you know, the, there's a lot to talk about and we want to, we want to be there to talk about it. And as the customer is is shopping through our our website to meet them um, where their questions are and answer those through quality content. Yeah, I mean, I think cycling is something that you can always do with your family and friends because everybody can be on a different bike and they can ride together. Whereas other sort of adventures, it's kind of like hiking. I mean, you can all go together and share that outdoors time. It's nice. Totally, it is. What's your personal training schedule? Yeah, well, I've I've had a lot more time now. Um, I guess my title is founder, which is a is a great title to have, and yeah. I get to um, spend more time with my family, and ultimately, I get to like reimagine my relationship with the bike, because as the business has taken off, my time in the saddle has gotten much much smaller. Right. Um, and now I'm actually riding my bike again, so it's like. Um, it's been a little bit to get my engine moving again, um, but I will ride today after, after I have a meeting after this. And then after that, I go, for, I'm going to go for a ride and I'm just trying to like things in motion, stay in motion. I'm just trying to keep moving. You know, to... So what can we expect to see more of at the pros closet for 2022? Totally. Well, you've already mentioned content and stories. That's definitely a focus, um, but also we're moving into parts and accessories. Um, so not just bikes, like we will sell, you know, all certified pre-owned parts and not just for today's, you know, 2022 bikes, you know, that dates back, you know, four or five years. So right. um, you could access to certified pre-owned parts, which doesn't exist anywhere else in the industry. And then we're also starting to sell um, new products, new bikes and and new, new clothing and new accessories. And then we're, you know, playing with, you know, courier pickups in different markets. So we can go straight to your door in New York city and pick up your old bikes. You don't have to mess with the shipping. Um, we're, do, we're, going to be testing out retail and um, pop-ups and in different ways that we can meet the customer where they're at and make it just simplify and changing the game for how we buy and sell bikes. That's cool. I like the pop-up idea. The future of the pros closet, super exciting. We're, yeah, we're pretty, we're thankful to be here and to be, you know, in an industry that we're passionate about and um, to be at, you know, at a point where, the customers' shopping habits are changing. The industry yeah. is looking for new ways to do business. Um, I think timing has is, is been one of our strongest strengths as of late, and um, and we're going to you know keep improving that customer experience and as are we continue you, to grow. And like, what's on your bucket list personally Like for cycling? Do you have any big rides you want to do now that you have more time on your hands? In addition to spending time with your family, is there anything that you are looking to do? You know, I, I just want to keep up with my friends. <laughs> like, my friends are all so fast and doing, you know, amazing things. And I'm just trying to keep up. I'm always the slow guy on the ride. So I want to try to just be able to hang there and be able to keep being on the adventures. But also, I've got a four-year-old son that loves to bike and watching. Oh, that's cool. The, oh, it's so fun to watch the joy of a kid on a bicycle. So I think spending as much time outside with, um, with James and watching him progress and open that um, adventure door for him is really cool. That's awesome. This has been so much fun. I love talking to you. Thank you so much for, for being on the podcast. Yeah, likewise. Thank you for having me, Marnie. This has been great. Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at Marnie on the Move for Facebook and Instagram and Marnie Salop on Twitter. 
head over to our website, marnieonthemove.com for more info on this episode, links in the show notes, and of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download, to get updates, deals, giveaways, and information on future events for 2019. I want to hear from you. Email me, marnieonthemove1 at gmail.com. And let me know what you're enjoying, what you want to hear more of. If you have questions for our guests, just reach out 